0: You are listening to the PYD Lab, the podcast for implementers and young leaders who want to examine innovative approaches to positive youth development and hear stories of young people leading change in their communities. This podcast is made possible by the support of the American people through the United States Agency for International Development or USAID. The content and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of USAID or the United States government. Hey, it's Natasha, and you're in the PYD Lab. Today, we're joined by Ineza Grace, founder of The Green Protector, an initiative contributing to Rwanda's sustainable development by inspiring young generations to protect the environment. Now, I wanted to learn more about her work in climate justice, ask her about being an eco-feminist, and have a candid discussion about tokenism and leadership when you're a woman of color. Welcome, Ineza. Thank you so much. We're so excited to have you here with us today on the PYD Lab. It's really an honor. Thank you for the invitation. You have just been doing some really amazing, inspiring work. You're the founder of the NGO, The Green Protector, studied environmental engineering. You're one of the winners of our Watch Our Impact contest. I find, you know, I'm learning a lot. And I have a colleague, Gloria, who cares a lot about climate change. And so she's been telling me some stuff. And then just the stuff that, you know, we try to hear and learn about every day on the news. So I find it to be very complex because there seems to be so many different levels to climate change and moving variables. Could you talk a little bit about climate justice? Uh,
1: So we are talking on the gap that is between the climate change and the ability to resolve or like to give a proper solution for our planet. I think it's quite understandable to find climate change to be a very complex topic. And then when we talk about climate justice, is to ensure that the frontline community who did less are empowered with the right tool, understanding, education, everything that they need to be a climate resilient community by taking into consideration that, yes, everyone has different responsibility because we share one planet, but we need it to be in an equitable manner so that we leave no one behind. For country like mine, Uganda, it's very small. We, we contribute, I think, uh, it's really 0.00 something on, on a global scale. I, I don't know exactly the exact number, but we are really minimal. Mm-hmm. But our country is experiencing flood, landslide,
0: just rainfall. Mm-hmm. And then there's another layer to it, right? There's ecofeminism. Could you break that down for us?
1: So yeah, technically, the eco-feminist part is what I define to be my value on a daily basis. Because I'm part of people who believe that all the damage that we cause to our ecosystem, we are able to uh, restore back. So that's why I have the eco part. And the feminist part is because women all over the world are the more exposed because they're the one left behind in education, access to finance, in agriculture. Mm. And when you look, for example, how many women are represented in the negotiation room where a decision has been made, you find that there's not a full representation of women. So if we are looking on a way to have a climate justice world, we need to ensure that everyone everywhere is empowered to be a solution and to be an actor in the climate sector, regardless uh, where you're coming from, your educational background, your physical ability, like anyone should be included. That's why I kind of like the SDG slogan leave no one behind so there's no mm. way you'll be able to stand for leave no one behind if in your platform or a your solution you don't have women included you don't have all the gender included so there's a lot of things to consider but now the world is uh, kind of aware how much women were oppressed of, over time mm. so we want to bring back the balance to have an equitable world
0: like specifically for you where do you fall in between all of this So like before, when I was doing work with women entrepreneurs, and just like you're saying, right, women had less access to capital. We had less visibility. It was harder for us to launch startups and scale them because of so many of those factors. And then for myself, I was trying to speak on behalf of women, right? But then now I'm also a woman of color. So sometimes (laughs) when you're experiencing struggles or discrimination, I don't know if that's happening because I'm a black woman. I don't know if that's just because I'm a woman. I don't know if it's because of my age. We even found out, you know, sometimes it was tough if you were a person who was a plus size person. So I'm very curious for you, like, with the work that you're doing, what does it look like for you every day? Because I feel like a part of it, right, is you're having these conversations about inclusion. But then you're also just trying to get your work done, right? Like the climate change work. Uh-huh. So what does that look like for you, like the conversations and your daily work and kind of walking these two different balances or beam poles?
1: So first I am a leader of a global South youth lead organization in the environment sector. And We technically have no funds available to support our activity. And then the society or like people around will be saying comments such as we are unable to get funded because the organization is led by a woman or like someone who's not capable to really ensure that an organization is able to provide financial uh, sustainability for the team. And comments like those ones and so many others uh, in the past, I mean, when I started, could really make me feel bad. Uh, but it showed me that we have an ability to stand as a team and really focus on what we could do best and keep that one in mind and keep the focus. And when you enter into a room, because um, we have a couple of events that we need to attend, They will be inviting youth to be present. Yeah, they want to hear what is your thought, what is your answer. You can give your best advice to the best of your soul because you think that is something maybe you are are communicating with people or like institution who really want to listen on how they can amplify your activity. But then you you find to realize that most of them have a tokenism uh, approach based on uh, gender, age, or in, in my case, racial background, mm-hmm. we have a lot of uh, imbalance and injustice on so many levels. And then that also comes like, to make you realize that sometimes you might be having a best solution and you may be uh, waiting around to find someone who will be able to support you, especially financially. But you won't be able to find one. So, um, mm. again, with my team, we went back and then realized that there's uh, there's no way to wait for other people to help our solution grow. We can still do whatever, I mean, all our best when we can, because we believe that we have the safety of a future generation at our heart and we're able to commit on a daily basis.
0: Absolutely. You started the Green Protector. Could you talk a little bit about the work that you're doing and how you're impacting your local community by working with your youth?
1: So the Green Protector, so we started work called the Green Fighter. That was in 2017. And then in 2021, that's when we decided to change our name. So technically, we wanted to change the fighting name because we felt there's no need to really fight so much. We just need to protect Mm. Uh, yes, we could be having the same spirit as a fighter, but we need to promote protection. We want to know people. It's a, it's a way to protect, as I said, both the present and the future. So that's how we change our name. Mm-hmm. And our work is technically like in a, it can be clustered. So one cluster is all about enhancement of youth capacity in the climate change sector by participating on the national and international level. From the day we started, we have run training on storytelling, climate change, and also we also have young negotiators who are participating in the international process on climate change. And the other cluster is all about project implementation and design, because we also believe that frontline youth should be empowered to come up with the appropriate solution in their community. So we have activities such as Global Gold Jam, uh, where we have uh, youth coming all together for three days, and then the brainstorm and what could be a solution to achieve a particular SDG in their community. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, we also do write projects. So we have a team of five people currently. So we go together and then we write a project to deliver a solution in the community. And technically, most of our projects are really stable, but then again, we haven't been able to secure enough funding because in this world where we operate, so the funding for the youth are for social um, enterprise. Uh, and we are an NGO, so we don't find ourselves. So sometimes the criteria does not work on our behalf. And we are kind of left out in, uh, in so many areas. And then the other side is all about environmental education. So we go to school, we produce uh, blogs, Uh, all with the purpose to eradicate the environmental knowledge gap in the community, not only in our country, but all around the world. So, for example, our animations are available in English, which is not a common language, I would say, because not the rural community um, prefer our mother tongue, which is Gwanda. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we share our message in our local language, Gwanda, to ensure that everyone then will be able to assimilate the message And then we translate uh, the same message in French and English. ensure that we are able to reach even the community beyond our country. Mm. So that will be how I I, I would say our impact so far.
0: That was great. And I want to talk a little bit about, because with like the work that you say that you're doing right there, and and that's so inclusive and forward thinking, making sure that, you know, your materials are being able to be translated into multiple languages. And, you know, when you guys are advocating and, you're talking to policymakers and, and government officials. I loved what you said in your watch your impact video. You talked a little bit about yes, you know, people are signing pledges and you know, governments are doing promises. And that's really great. But I want to see some action, you know. And I would love to just ask you, how did you first fall in love with this work? When I grew up,
1: I experienced climate change impact on the first basis. And I didn't have enough information at that time to know that I was being exposed to the negative effect of climate change. So with education, I come to realize that there's no way we can all play victim uh, because there's a a power that we can all have a a contribution of a solution to make. So because the climate change sector is a big component, we thought of starting something as a platform that is going to bring uh, the youth together. And then we can all together contribute in making solutions. So that's how the Green Protector started. And with time, we come to realize that there's more than a, a hope around because every young member that we are having uh, has uh, a light of hope that they are able to share with the community. So we are able to love what we are doing because we believe that it is our biggest contribution that we are making for our planet in order to keep it safe for the future. So me and my team, we participate in the international negotiation of climate change. And there we experience another form of inequality because we are represented on the table. First of all, we are young people. And then second, we are coming from a global South countries who are pictured as least developed country. And then most of the time, the voice of our experts are not fully aligned with what our partners want to see on the table. And it kind of makes you realize that some, we don't have the same priority on the table when it comes mm. to have a solution on climate change because I kind of went from COP26 having a kind of say, be like, um, like some part of the world want to protect their future and another part of the world want to protect their present and their future. Mm. And and then the world is failing to understand that we are all on the same boat because there's no way you'll be able to protect the future of one part if the future of one part is interlinked with the present of another part. So the only way to keep a balance on our sinking boat is to join hand and protect the today of everyone. Mm. And then all together we can protect the future because there's no way you will be able to protect the future if you don't have today. So that's kind of an understanding we are having in this climate sector. And also it went back to like point out where, where is the imbalance or where is the injustice. And it's kind of interlinked with many factors. It can feel overwhelming. But at the end of the day, we just choose to uh, stay positive and focus on what we can do to the best of ourselves.
0: Right. Um,
1: and then on the adaptation side, adaptation side is really a bit complex because sometimes you won't be able to know how better to adapt because we don't have enough information to know how much your community has been, is suffering because there's not really enough research on that one. What I tend to tell myself is uh, in order to adapt, is to really focus on uh, building a climate resilient community. And one of the way I think of myself is to first educate myself because there's a lot of things to learn. And if I'm going to be empowering in order to have a climate resilient community, I need to be sure that I'm able to give the right information and educate myself on how better I can serve my community. The other thing is to really be a voice. I believe that if you're sharing at the front line, you'll be being, shaping what is going to be a hope. And that hope will be reaching uh, decision makers who will be able to take a well-informed decision when they talk about climate change.
0: Yeah, and I do. I love what you talk about with, you know, the word hope, because these conversations, they seem like they've been going on a long time, but they, they really had it. So my sons, he grew up hearing about, you know, the environment and climate change and recycling and stuff like that. And that didn't happen in my lifetime. And so I remember, I want to say maybe I was probably like around 10 when people just first started really talking about the environment and recycling, like recycling was like a new thing. And I remember eventually like at our home, we had a recycling bin where we put our recyclables. So just in my lifetime, I've seen that slight change. And so when you're talking about hope, I think, oh my goodness, by the time your age group is really in charge of things. And I'm really hopeful that you guys will really be able to move the needle in a big way, in a way that maybe my generation or the previous one couldn't.
1: I promise you will be doing our best because I think we are the generation who are refusing to settle down for less mm. because we believe that we are able to come up with a solution. And maybe the world is not ready to go from business as usual in the climate change sector, mm. but youth are more than ready to work together. And that's why also I'm part of the Lost and Damage Youth Coalition, which is a global coalition of more than like 200 people from 45 countries. Mm-hmm. And our message or vision is very uh, straightforward. We want to induce action on loss and damage. And we do that one by pressuring global leaders, training and increasing awareness on loss, what is loss and damage, and also empowering youth to be at the front line to in the decision-making process. So that all that one can really link to showcase that youth nowadays, we do understand that the only way we are going to be able to have our today and our future is the ability to work together. And I like to say that youth to work together, we don't have so much diplomacy going on. Mm. because we are driven by hope we are driven with the sense to have action on the ground so we don't really have that much diplomacy languages that we need to take care of so that's why our action can be really tangible and create hope in the community uh, yeah
0: that's wonderful and we touched a little bit on this before but you know one of the things that i love about the PYD lab is getting to talk to young change makers like yourself and you know you guys are doing hard Important work on some really big issues, and it can take a toll sometimes, emotionally and you know, mental health wise. How do you stay motivated? What keeps you going in this work?
1: To be frank, uh, so what really keeps me going is the feeling of hope that I have on a daily basis, and being able to see I'm not alone in this sector because sometimes you can feel very down because as you said it. this sector can be really hard and for some of us can be really depressive on so, on so many levels but the feeling that i am not alone and also the feeling the sense of hope that i feel inside me and empower me to really do the best every time that's why um i really i really enjoy working in on what i do and Sometimes you can even be paid less or paid zero, because this sector sometimes uh, people consider it as a hobby, as something that the youth will be doing and not be paid from it. But the sense that I know that I'm contributing for a future, and I'll be able to look in my cousins' eyes because they are so uh, younger than me, or like my friends who are bringing children in this earth at this very moment, and I feel like I'll be able to tell them that I did my best. With the resource that I got, and also try to be that I'm, am a voice for so many people who does who not have uh, the space that I'm having. So that's why I tend to do uh, whatever I can when I can, while I can.
0: Well, I just think that you're doing wonderful, amazing work, Aiza. It's a pleasure to have you on and to to share and hear, you know, about your journey. And I hope that you know, telling your story on bigger and bigger platforms, not only aids the work that you're doing, but the finance that you need. I think, you know, we talked a little bit about this before the tokenism, right? It's great to have somebody invite you to speak or participate in these dialogue conversations. But going back to what you were saying about action, you know, I encourage these larger organizations and these foundations to fund the work that you're doing because it, it's the passion that keeps you going, but it's the funding that makes it sustainable and it's so important. And so I just thank you so, so much for the work that you're doing and representing your community in such a, a wonderful way, but also just fighting for us, like you said, across the planet. So thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Natasha. I'm really grateful and humbled that you say all this work, because I have an amazing team. Anyone... Everywhere can make a change. It's just a simple taking a decision and anyone can be the change for the community. Let's all light up a light of hope.
0: Thank you. It's my favorite part of the show. It's when we get to ask our guests about their three PYD recommendations. And it's great because we get some insight into some of the things that you kind of turn to to get inspired and to get your education. And so we ask you about three things. One, a published resource. Two, youth, which is a resource or a project that you know of that's being authored or led by a fellow young leader. And then three, which is disrupt, a disruptive innovative idea or project. So we would love to have you share your three PYD recommendations. Start first with your published recommendation or resource.
1: I will invite the audience to read a book. The Untethered Soul by Michael A. Singer. So this is a book that really changed my perspective of what I could be able to do on a personal level. So technically it's a book that really invites you to a journey to go beyond yourself and you are able to really be empowered or open your eyes to see what's your value and how you can overcome your fears and be able to really serve the planet or the community. It's one of my favorite books. I really enjoyed reading it.
0: Oh, awesome. What about your second recommendation, youth? Is there a project or resource that you know that's being led by a young person? I have a couple. So the first
1: one is a YouTuber called Grace. She's from Kenya. She leads a YouTuber channel called iPeace. Uh, she's really talking on how this current generation need to be hopeful on how our generation is be able to contract peace. Because we are living in a world where everything on the media is all about what didn't go well. And she's trying to really show that it's possible to have a positive say in whatever we're saying. So I kind of enjoy following her work. And the other will be Vanessa Nakate, because she was able to showcase that it is also possible for global South youth to stand and really showcase climate justice will look like. It's also a work that is bringing up how to do in a climate uh, diplomacy manner by increasing uh, the representation of the youth, empowering them to actively engage. So that also is a kind of good work.
0: That is wonderful. For the Disrupt, do you have a separate innovative idea or project that tackles a youth-related challenge that you want to talk about?
1: Another youth-related challenge, and this is on my perspective, um, is the employment. There's these uh, businesses or like social impact actors, it's called SAE. Uh, They look on how to empower women by giving them value in the sense that they're able to link what they're doing with economic development. So it's really interesting because they're able to go from empowering mentally or giving them soft skills and being able to give them tangible income. So it's really a good uh, thing also to follow. It's a kind of uh, where I would go in uh, another challenge that's happening in my community and someone really taking uh, uh, a chance to do, to resolve it.
0: Those were great recommendations, and we'll make sure that we have links to all of your recommendations at youthpower.org backslash the PYD Lab. If people want to keep track of the work that you're doing, what's a website or place that they can go to to find out more about your work?
1: There's two places. The first is the Lost and Damage Youth Coalition website, and the second one is the Green Protector website. We really welcome everyone to join us. Also, we use Twitter. So our Twitter is Los and Damage Coalition and The Green Protector.
0: And my personal one is Ineza Grace. Awesome. Well, that is how they can find you. We'll make sure that we have links to your social sites as well. Again, Ineza, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your journey and the meaningful work that you're doing. I look forward to following your career and watching all the awesome things that you accomplish.
1: Thank you so much for the invitation, Natasha. It was really an honor, and I'm grateful that I was able to make it.
0: Again, Ineza, thank you so much for joining us today. Now it's time to get into our three PYD recommendations. Our first recommendation is the Global Lead Toolkit. Now, this is a USAID-led collaborative initiative aiming to mobilize one million young leaders to guide their country's progress on the key challenges of our time, including human rights, climate action, global health, and violence prevention. Plus, check out the animated video introducing the Global Lead Toolkit. It's available on the website and our Youth Power YP2LE YouTube channel. The Youth Lead webinar, Beyond Alarm Bell Ringing, How Young People Can Lead Climate Change Action, is now available for streaming at youthpower.org. The hour-long video focuses on the connection between localized learning and collective action. This webinar provides applicable skills and recommendations and better equips young leaders and change makers to take action in their own communities. And last but not least, we have the Climate Change Starter Kit. Now this kit includes the best 36 resources on the Youth Lead website that are related to youth combating climate change. It's a great starting point for youth who are interested in learning more about the climate crisis and who want meaningful, actionable steps to take for advocacy campaigns. And this episode, we have a bonus for you. It's the starter kit titled The Role of Sustainable Consumption in Production. Whether you're already living a zero-waste lifestyle, or you want to dip your toes into conscious consumerism, this starter kit is for those looking to learn what a circular economy is, why it is important, and overcoming the barriers to sustainable consumption and production. Now, remember, you can get all of these resources and a host of others at youthpower.org pydlab Until next time, I'm Natasha, and you've been in the PYD Lab.